0: Hello and welcome to Founded Fetched It. I'm Joe Parrott, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group, and I'm pleased you're joining us. We're all about diving into the fascinating world of gun dogs. Whether you're a beginner or have years of experience, there's something here for you. So get comfy and let's get this conversation started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Found It, Fetched It. This week, we're going to be talking all about trainer dysmorphia. Now, you may be questioning yourself on what is trainer dysmorphia, but here to help me talk all about it is LWGG Mindset Coach, Emma Liddell. How are you,
1: Emma? I'm really good, Joe. I'm really good and I'm interested. It's going to be an exciting topic tonight, I think.
0: Well... Me and you sort of started talking about this when we were talking about how people perceive themselves, you know, how we perceive ourselves from like what we see in the mirror to what we see, um, like in photos and stuff. And then we were talking about how people go through a sort of similar type of thing. So start by telling us, like, what we say in trainer dysmorphia
1: is. So, dysmorphia, the word dysmorphia, is where our perception doesn't necessarily match reality. Um, and that can be across a huge range of topics. And a really good example that I would say, kind of for dysmorphia, and it's a bit of another phenomenon, is often the sound of our own voice. It doesn't say, it sounds, there's a the phenomenon about the fact it's a different sound in our head to when we hear it, say for example, on a recording. Um, and that's where it's it's a disconnect. How I How my voice sounds in my head and then when I hear it on a recording, don't match. And I find that very hard to process. And most of us have that. Most of us will say, oh, I hate the sound of my own voice when I hear it on playback or on an answer phone message or something like that. And that dysmorphia could be anything. So in a clinical terms, we talk about body dysmorphia, where we don't feel like our physical shape matches what we have in our brain. Um, and I think we were kind of talking about that idea of dysmorphia and and bringing that into kind of our training terms, which is a really new, interesting phenomenon. So we've kind of coined a new phrase in the, in the gun dog training world. You heard it first
0: on Founding It, <laughs> but I do think it like it, it definitely exists. Like when I first started doing uh, the LWGG and being on masterclasses and being on podcasts, I used to like cringe, like literally physically cringe every time I hear my own voice or so my own faith. And what are we? We're like, God, five years on, I think it's, yes, yeah, five years on. And only now am I able to hear my voice and it not drive me mad. I really don't think, or I didn't think, that's how I sounded. Like, now I'm very much again used to it. But it's, it's taken a long time. And I think with regards to, like, how we perceive, how we train, we never get the exposure to how we look, to how we think we look,
1: do we? No. And our perception will will often mismatch it. And a really good example is when I was learning to play tennis, <laughs> I'm gonna go off topic very briefly. When I was learning to play tennis, I I was being taught how to serve. And in my brain and in my body, what I was doing was a serve. And 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 yes, it kind of was, really. But it was only when the person that was coaching me showed me a video of it and went, this is what you do. I was like, the ball isn't tossed anywhere near high enough. It's nowhere near in front of me. So it was only when I got another perspective and I was like, but in my brain, what I think I'm doing is exactly what someone's told me how to do. And it's often when you get that third person perspective, and that's where video comes in it, it, it kind of invaluably when we do it, because it's kind of an independent thing. It has no judgment. Whereas in my brain, I have a judgment about what I do. And even other people sometimes have a judgment about what I do. They have a perception, whereas actually something like a video, because it's completely unbiased. It's just a recording that kind of is what it is. Um, so yeah, we have this kind of weird. Perception of things. We look at things with a certain slight. Like when I listened back to the first kind of recordings that I did with you, Joe, I kind of think, oh my god, I said that word so many times. I'm sure loads of people picked up on that. And they they probably didn't. But it's just me being hypercritical.
0: I think as well, when we were at the um the gun dog holiday this weekend, and I was watching people like have their turn at doing something. And then I would see it, and then they would come away from it and back to the group, and they'd say, oh, this went wrong, that went wrong, that went wrong. And I was like, I saw none of that. Like, it might not have been perfect or exactly how you wanted it to be, but they were hypercritical of, like, the tiniest things, to the point that some of them, nothing didn't exist, but in their head, them or their dogs were running one way, and that wasn't the truth of it at all. So do you think we the skewed perception affects our training?
1: Uh, undoubtedly so. Um, and, and I say that from personal experience, undoubtedly so. And I think any of us that have recorded training sessions and watched them back will notice that what we felt in the moment won't necessarily match the reality and again at, at the gun dog training weekend now i have the had the privilege to not work my dogs there so i could just sit back and relax and watch what other people were doing and i would watch something and i'd be like yeah that, that went pretty well like that's great like yes there's stuff to work on and 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 I think the term that I would use it's kind of just polishing it up, but actually the basics are absolutely there. And the dog generally did what you're asking it to do. It didn't do laps of the field with the with the dummy in its mouth. It actually, all right, didn't come straight back to you on the retrieve or whatever else. And and instantly, that person's perception as they're walking back down the line or, or kind of walking past me, and I'm like, oh, well, that, that went really well. They're automatically focused on something that that yes was there. But they've made that almost the whole of that that kind of one retrieve of like, yeah, but he didn't come back in straight away. Yeah, but he went out, he got the dummy, he came back, which was a problem for you. and yes, it took a little bit of coaxing, but he came back with the dummy and 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 that that period of time, certainly from myself, and I know we'll go into this more, time almost stands still when you're training your dog, whereas for everyone else, it's still running at normal speed. So what you think is five seconds of your dog, running around the field with a dummy his mouth it was actually probably only, you know, he just ran past you, went round and, and gave it straight to you.
0: I know from training with Samantha Thorny Crop Taylor, like I can she's talked about it on dog and Duck. Like I was putting my arm out and I was like trying to get this right and sending the rubber retrieve and I literally thought that the dog was looking where he needed to go. She's like, can I take a photo of you? She took a photo. The dog is looking at me, nor out. So in my head, this was going one way, but my perception of it, my understanding of it, was very, very different to the physical reality of it. Is this like what dysmorphia is about? We, we are seeing the world very different to how it actually is.
1: Yeah, and and part of that, from my perception, is because we set higher standards for ourselves, and, again, another really interesting that I, uh, thing that I found is I, so I take my dog's man trailing and um, there was a lady there with quite a reactive rescue dog and she was managing the situation really well with this dog. But the dog was in the car and the dog was barking and about six or seven or eight times during this day, she was apologizing to us for it. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it was very clear. She'd done everything she could to manage this. And she had a behaviour. She was doing all the right things to help this dog go through a really difficult time. And I had to take her to one side and I said, it's not bothering us. It's genuinely not bothering us that, you know, we're all here. We all like dogs. We all see what you're going through. It doesn't bother us. It's bothering you. And that's that element of kind of dysmorphia that we get, that we... We feel, and I saw that even with some of the ladies in the Gun Dog holiday, when it didn't quite go to plan and the dog needed a little bit more management or a little bit more time because we were trying to get the retrieving right. We were trying to do something else. They were apologising to the rest of the group around. I'm so sorry that I'm taking up all this time. And It's like, that's what you're here for. And there was not one other woman in that group that was looking kind of rolling their eyes and going, oh, well, she's like, that's what we're here for. And. So I think part of it is maybe that perfectionism, part of that is the higher standards for ourselves, part of it is is the fact that we don't we don't want to. It's not that we don't want to mess up, we're happy to mess up in front of people. And 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 the great thing about the LWDG is we can and we can kind of almost go, well, okay, what can I learn from it? But we almost get fixated on that, and that whole morning or training session can be about that one thing that didn't go to plan rather than actually. But 12 other things that the dog did absolutely brilliantly. And that becomes that dysmorphia. So we leave that morning, go, Oh my God, my dog was so so hard to handle. And he was doing this and he was doing that. And you've forgotten the eight or 10 great things that, that 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 your dog absolutely did, which you would have been absolutely, completely bowled over about six months ago with your dog. You'd have come, you'd have walked off that field and been like, that was brilliant. But because we've moved past that in our brains. Our expectations change and and it's about bringing that perspective back, that dysmorphia is is a kind of unhealthy or irrational perspective. We want to bring that back to a rational perspective because that's the reality of dog training and, and that's a balanced reality of dog training which we can then take forward in a positive way.
0: Is it like just the social pressures or the perceived expectations that contribute to this? Or can we have this sort of dysmorphia when
1: we're on our own training I think we all have it I think we all have it and certainly I've looked at videos of my dog training I tend to video everything um and I will do something or I'll watch myself do something and I'll I'll leave that day and I might even feel a little bit disheartened I'll go back into the car and go well that didn't go to plan or do you know what when he was hunting he he seemed way off or he kind of in my brain he's the other end of the field kind of having the time of his life and when i look back at the video he's not he's not the other side of the field or he may have veered off and and it might have taken him you know i've put the recall whistle in and actually in my brain it's taking 15 seconds for him to respond to it But if you look at the camera it's it's a it's about one or two seconds but it feels like an eternity and then he comes back to me So I think it's really important to look at it with with perspective, because when you're there and your dog isn't responding and I'm I'm, Joe, you're probably going to agree with me on this one. It feels like forever, doesn't it? When you do something, whether you put the stop whistle in, whether you're doing directional work, whether you're hunting, whether you're doing a recall from the moment you blow that whistle or you give that dog that signal. It feels like eight times, 10 times as long as the reality of it takes your dog to respond. And there's sometimes where your dog doesn't respond and that's the that's like whole new issue. But when you look at the video and I've come back and I've gone, actually, what I think, what I would grade as like a, a D session if I'm going to give it kind of a, a grade from A to D. Actually, when I go back and I re-watch the videos and I really watch it, I'm like, actually, that was like like a B. And, and I, sometimes I, I actually look back and think, I've overcorrected my dog, because I didn't give him enough time to work it out for himself, because that time felt so long, what felt like 15 seconds was actually one or two. And if I'd given that dog a little bit more time, he might've actually corrected himself. But because it felt so long, I stepped in. I stepped in and and, and then have maybe overhandled or overcorrected my dog and not allowed them to make that decision in a good way. So I do think sometimes it can almost be a negative thing.
0: On the weekend, I heard Claire when she was like showing us all an exercise or showing the ladies an exercise saying, you know, blow the whistle, then let them hunt, let them hunt. And I'm thinking, how quickly do we step in? I've been thinking a little bit about that and how, you know, how they must or how the ladies were perceiving it was coming across like trying to almost trying to rush so that it didn't look like they were taking up time, like you just said. So is this sort of like pain of dysmorphia is it like a transient thing or is it like a long-term mindset challenge
1: I think I've got to say it's got to be a long-term mindset challenge I think because it can creep in can't it if we're not careful it will creep in and I think when you're on your own it's hard because you sometimes don't have someone to bounce it off around I saw my dog do this and they go yep I saw that body language or or actually no like you stepped in way early um and I think so you've kind of got that challenge when you're on your own because you don't have another perspective there it's just you and the dog and I think sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves if we're either working with a trainer and we want to get it right we want to do well of course we do we want we want to leave every training session successful um and we generally do it's just we don't see it or if we're in a big training environment a group training environment we kind of don't we I feel like in some ways it's kind of quite a British thing that we don't want to feel like we're wasting everyone's time and that somehow we think everyone else's time is 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 more valuable. We think, oh, God, but we've all paid to be here. Or we've all paid for this day or hour or weekend or whatever it is. But, yeah, you have, including you. And if your dog is doing something that you're struggling with, And sometimes it does take time to get the dog back or it does mean we've got to set up the exercise again or it does mean we're going to do something slightly different to get the dog to succeed, which is what I saw a lot of over the weekend is about let's try something different. Let's do this. Let's set up the dog to succeed. Or actually, no, let's reset it. Let's just reset the whole thing and start again to give the dog another opportunity is somehow. And what I saw is on the women's faces, this almost apologetic look of like, I'm so sorry to hold everyone up when no one else was looking at that person and rolling their eyes and going, oh, gosh, that's another time we've got to set that dummy up. We were all like, yes, good, let's do this. Because we were all watching the dogs and every single one of us wanted that dog to succeed. It wasn't just the, the trainer, the handler there that was going, sending the dog in going, I really hope this goes well and I hope I've done everything right. Every single other woman that was watching that dog, we were all willing that dog on as well. We were all like, come on, you can do this, you've got this. And there was there was applause when it went right and there was hugs when it didn't go to plan and there was kind of consolation of don't worry, I've been there. So I do feel like it is massively a self-imposed thing because no one was saying, you're wasting my time. Everyone was going, it's cool, we'll do it again, don't worry. And don't worry, we've been there. Or do you know what, that was fantastic. It's so great on the third go, they got it. So it must be an internalising. It must be, if it's not from the outside environment, it's not the trainers, it's not the other women, it's got to be us. We
0: um, identify it in ourselves, because, like, when we hear our voice, or when we see photos of us, you know, holidays or whatever, we're like, oh, I, I don't look like that, or I don't sound like that. There's that sort of, like, disconnect where we identify it. How as a trainer do we identify that What we are perceiving is how we train isn't actually how
1: we train. I think this is where video is really, really important. Because if I don't video a training session, I am not going to come out with an accurate representation of what I did that day. It will only be my perception. Um, And I know that there's probably many women listening to this podcast cringing at the idea of, sticking their phone on a tripod and what and recording themselves. but you don't have to share it with anybody. you don't you can delete it afterwards. And actually for me, what I found really useful is keeping some of them where it goes right and where it goes not to plan. Um, and looking back and going, look how far I've come, look how far I've come And I think that's where the benefit of of video is so key. And and I think that's where the benefit of community is so key because if I train with other women and I train with two other women from the ladies working dog group, I I can then go to them if I'm training with them and go, did that? And they'll go, yeah, that that did happen. You did see that, or actually, you know, that you you stepped in. No, you didn't step in too early, but actually, he. I think he was still on the scent when you started handling him. He didn't go self employed at that point because. They are relaxed when they're looking at my dog's body language. I'm not. Um, I should be, but I'm not because I'm thinking, please do what I'm asking you to do. And, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I don't necessarily. I'm part of a great group of women that when when something goes not to plan with my dog, everyone laughs with me, not at me. And they roll their eyes and go, "Don't worry about it," and and all those things. So, but they are looking at it objectively. I'm not because I want my dog to succeed. I want my dog to do well, and I'm actually probably harder on my dog than other people do. The amount of times people will say, "Emery's a young dog. Don't don't worry about it. Like it's okay. Like you're still not. You're expecting too much from him. But there is still a journey that you need to go on. So I think training with other people, if you can. Not everyone has that opportunity. I think he's fantastic. And especially people that you trust and you think will give you an objective and opinion. I think recording your sessions for you to look back on, especially if you keep a gun dog journal about your training sessions. So don't just come home and go, oh my God, my job was terrible today. Watch the videos first. And you might be able to pick out things that went really well and things to work on. And I think certainly posting stuff in the society chat and things like that, again, is really, really key. Because they're going to be other people, including the group experts, that are going to give you either a very educated opinion because they know their stuff, which is great. Or a much less biased opinion because they don't have the emotional involvement that we do with our dogs.
0: So if we like look at the videos and we're like, oh, well, actually, it's better than I thought. Oh, it's worse than I thought. You know, we can get like a, a factual representation. How can we reorientate our thoughts because like again to go back to like hearing our, our voices or seeing ourselves like like i said it's taking me five years that's a long time for anyone to get comfortable um with how they look how they train how they come across how can we like sort of like speed up the like orientation reorientation of,
1: of what we like I think it's reminding yourself why you're doing it. So if you're recording it, am I recording my dog's training today to see what I look like in my new foxy pheasant leggings? Or am I watching it? And if you look great in them, fantastic. Um, Or am I looking at it to see what my dog has done? And, And remind yourself that you're not there to necessarily, you're there to look at what you're doing with your dog, but that is it um it's just a record that's that's all it is it's not about having judgment it's just a record of what happened that day and you can delete it if if it went well you can send it to somebody and the bit that i would really share is if it didn't go well it's even more important to send it to somebody and share it with somebody it's all great when we share posts about our dog doing something fantastic and you have 200 women liking it and telling you that you're fantastic and that's that's brilliant because we need that we need that confidence boost but when it doesn't go to plan and you have come home and you kind of got your hands up in the air and you're thinking, now what? Now what? It's going to be another three weeks before I go and see my trainer or actually I don't have access to a trainer that's, that's local to me. Now what? Go and go and talk to a trusted community of women. The experts are there to give the expertise or talk to someone else that you trust around what oh, I'm seeing this in the video what are you seeing and I can guarantee you whoever you send it to if they're a lovely lovely person they might pick up on actually yeah I see where this didn't happen or I see where your dog didn't lose focus on you or whatever else but they'll also talk about the things that went well in that video which is actually your send out was really good it was just too far above the wind so they couldn't wind it okay great fantastic. but your body position was brilliant and the dog was was it went where you sent it which actually three weeks ago you might not have done and so you go, OK, well, that was brilliant. I just now need to readjust this part of it. Or or it might be if you're working on, I don't know, uh, when a dog comes into you to retrieve more open body language, something like that. You can say, well, actually, I, I did that bit. But actually, what I then did is snatch the dummy out of the dog's mouth. And no wonder the dog's trying to play keep away. So it's about it's about when you look at that video, I would really encourage you to even if it's really, really hard write down one or two things in that video that was good even if the training didn't go to plan and i know that is so hard that is so hard and i say that i went on a gun dog training holiday to wales and i left in tears and i'm very open about that um and i can now look back at the video and say and actually one of them the video i set the dog up and he and i literally sent him and he just did a 180 and went behind me and, and you literally see me throw my hands up in the air going, well, now what do I do? But the reality is, even though in that video it's quite hard to pick out what went well, what I can pick out is I still took my dog on that holiday and I still tried my best with him. And in front of a group of other people who were absolutely lovely and supportive, I'd like to add, I gave it a go. That's the first time my dog had been in a rabbit pen. That's the first time he had another dog hunting next to him. That's the first time he was experiencing shot behind him. So actually, all right, the video didn't go to plan at all. If you look at the video, you kind of roll your eyes and go, oh, my gosh. But I was there in front of all those people and I was trying it and I was doing it. And the best bit is because of that video, I learned from it. And sometimes we get so focused on when we get things right actually and i know we don't want to set up our dog to fail but when it doesn't go to plan that's when a we learn but b our dogs learn that's not what i wanted you to do i want you to do this
0: when we've identified that we've got sort of this sort of training dysmorphia we are perceiving our training very differently to to how it is how can we not fix it but what things can we do because I don't know about you, Em, but like I know that, for example, I don't know if I look in the mirror and I'm thinking, oh, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel well about myself, whatever. And then I go to a party, and then I'm like, oh, I've seen the photos, you know, I, I wasn't feeling good about that anyway, and now the photos have backed up. I didn't really look that good. Um, it sort of has like this like ripple effect into to other parts of my mindset. So like, yeah. you don't be ingested by that photo to be in. It could go it could literally go from that to, oh, I'm a crack dog trainer. You know, it's spread than this, it's almost poison, poisonous So how can we where the video is showing us that so we've got a lot more work to do than maybe we think we have, how can we improve the situation for ourselves?
1: So there's two bits, and I've touched on photos, and I'm very briefly gonna touch on that because it it will make sense in a minute, is sometimes especially and there's lots of women out there that hate photos of themselves they hate videos of themselves they hate photos of themselves they won't record themselves even for training that they're going to delete is even though you may not like the shape size whatever of your body and that that's so that's okay it's a difficult thing to navigate have appreciation for the fact that that body keeps you alive you might not like exactly what it looks like or the coating or whatever it is But the sheer fact that you walk and you talk and you breathe and you can go out with your dogs is incredible. So even if you don't like your body, can you at least respect it and value it? And and that can sometimes stop that slippery slope of I don't like how I look. I hated the photos and and that means I'm a useless person. And then we have this spiral of stuff. So if you could use that principle with your dog. So the photo that you don't like, eight it's not about the photo, it's about the memory and actually it might be a photo that maybe isn't very flattering but you know what, you're laughing your heads off and so what if you've got three chins in that photograph because you are having a fantastic time and it's a record of a moment of time and that's all and the fact is your body is a beautiful thing because it allows you to go out and train your dogs and so even if you don't like your body, can you just respect it? Like that would be a really great place to start. If we can use that same kind of, Principle for our dog training. The fact is, all right, it didn't go to plan. The video isn't great. You wanted to rehome your dog. You went down this horrible route that we sometimes all gone down. But you know what? You're a good dog owner. Underneath all of that, none of you would be listening to this podcast if you didn't care about your dog. So fundamentally, if you take it right back to the bare bones of it, you're doing something right. And even if everything has gone wrong that day and your dog has done six laps of the field with a retrieve and you've put your dog in the car and you couldn't even get two steps of heel work out of it and you want to burst into tears. And and I say that because there will be at least a couple of hundred women going, I've been there and I am one of them too. And Joe, you're one of them too as well. We're doing something right because do you know what? We love our dogs and we are trying to do right by them. And not every day goes to plan. And that's fine. Even raising children, not every day goes to plan, but we still love them and we're trying to do right by them. So if you can go back to the fundamental basics of you have a dog, you love that dog, you are trying to do the best thing by that dog. You are getting yourself out there and putting yourself in a a vulnerable position where sometimes things don't go to plan and you're worried you're going to be judged. But you are doing the right thing. And it will come. Don't let one day's training or even one retreat undo all of those steps because you've put in all those foundations before. You know, the fact is your dog is still not weeing in in the house and all those other things. So don't don't let that dysmorphia unwrap all of that. Go back to the basics. It's interesting as we're talking,
0: like, where does this all come from? Like, I don't even know. Like, I'm sure you do know the answer, but where where does it start that we start hating what we see or hating how we think people view us like like where does that come from because i'm sure as a you know as a newborn baby i wasn't thinking what do i look like in this baby drawer i'm pretty convinced i wasn't and i can't remember it as a kid really i can remember i was like grew up in a small holding. i was quite scruffy every photo i'm like how would you do it you know like Literally, white eyes, white teeth, and that was pretty much it because everything else was stinking about me. So where did I start caring so much that I started beating myself up about it? It's a ri
1: re- I would love to know... that ex- I've got ideas. I'd love to know the definitive answer because there are so many people that would benefit if we knew exactly the cause of it. But I think the cause is... Is is kind of a really wider picture. So if we're talking about potentially how we look, it might be a comment that was made by a passerby, a member of public, our first boyfriend, a teacher at school, a friend at school, um, anything like that, where we suddenly go, oh, actually, someone someone doesn't find me acceptable because as a kid, we find ourselves eminently acceptable, we're we're the centre of our own universe, and that's wonderful, and we don't have a concept that I might be taller, shorter, bigger, smaller a different colour, a different gender, until someone points it out to me and then I go, oh, that's interesting, this is something new. And I think if we, again, use that principle of kind of society um, pointing out differences, we do the same probably with, with our dogs. And I think that's where we go into that kind of bigger, wider world of, of comparing our dogs to other dogs, comparing our training to other training or other trainers that are maybe more experienced than us, are maybe you know, it's their third or fourth dog and it's your first dog, but it's the same breed and it's the same age and we feel like it should be doing the same. It could even be down to social media where people post generally only successful videos of their dog's training. And we think, right, actually I've got, you know, and you see it, well, you see see, like an eight month Labrador sitting on a shooting peg and and you go, yeah, that might happen. But, but logically we know that that's massively the exception to the rule. But if that's what I see, that's what I'm going to think is, is normal and that should be my expectation. So I think if you don't compare yourself to anybody, which is an almost impossible to task to do, you're never going to be disappointed. Like if I don't compare myself to another person training a similar breed or crossbreed of dog of a similar age. And, and and when you think about it, to try and get that variable is so random. So I'm a great example, so I'd have to find someone who has is training their first gun dog. Their gun dog is coming up for two years old. Their gun dog happens to be a GSP Labrador cross, and has exactly my background and experience, and has read the same books as me and listened to the same. That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. So I'm going to compare myself to people that really aren't aren't relevant from a comparison point of view. It, it comes down to, and I know I'm going off topic, but I'm very passionate about this, around this idea of comparison is the thief of joy. If I didn't compare myself to any other dog trainer at any other point, I would love all my training with my dog because I would just think that was normal. Sometimes it goes to plan, sometimes it doesn't. It's only when I compare myself to other dogs or to other trainers that I start thinking, maybe I'm maybe I'm not not where I should be. So I think comparison, this idea of Looking at myself and whether that's my size, whether that's my ability as a gun dog trainer, whether it's my choice of dog, whether it's anything, that's when I start grading whether I'm better or worse, and that's never going to be helpful. What I am is I am. Where I am is where I am with my dog. Where I'm going with my dog is where I'm going with my dog, and that that can't be compared to anyone else's journey. like sort of, I don't
0: know. Daily or weekly ritual that we can do to keep like trainer dysmorphia in check because we do need to keep it in check because it is affecting our perception of reality. But also, I would say off the back of that, it's going to affect how we perceive our dog because if we are seeing ourselves differently, we're probably seeing our dogs differently in our minds, and that has to affect whether we you know think they're amazing or or love them but want to strangle them because they're not doing things right you know this sort of like is it how i see it is it not how i see it how much i love not so much love because we all love them to death how frustrated i am is relevant to how this is being seen in my
1: mind and i think i think reminding ourselves and i you know we talk about this, <laughs> be more dog so when so if i look at the dogs on the training weekend they all had a great time there was no doubt about it every single dog there had moments where they absolutely had a ball and you didn't see one black labrador for example looking at the other black labrador and going well that dog's faster than me or that dog's prettier than me or that dog's slimmer than me or that dog got the retrieve and i didn't they're like i'm just in it and i'm going to give it a go and it's going to be great." And I think if we have that similar enthusiasm without the comparison that our dogs have, which is, I'm just here and it's brilliant and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to do my best and it might be great and it might not be great and I don't really know, but I'm just going to do my best. You don't see the springers all lined up staring at each other, looking at the other springers going, oh, well, you know, you might be more advanced than I am or, you know, you're older. than They don't. There's no judgment. All those dogs in that line, and we did kind of a walked up one right at the end, not any of those dogs were looking at the other dogs, judging each other. They were just there thinking, "This is brilliant. This is fantastic," and I'm going to have a great time. And I don't think any of the ladies on there consciously were judging the other ladies. What they were doing is judging themselves. Not not one lady was sitting there looking at the other one, going, I, "Because this that's not something as a as a group that we would ever tolerate," uh, and we don't foster that culture, which is fantastic. But what they were all doing is looking at the other handlers and the other dogs comparing themselves to them and actually that's where we need to be more dog we need to let go of that and at every single training session when we get there if we remind ourselves i need to be more dog which is i just need to have fun and i need to enjoy this and i need to remind myself that fundamentally if you strip away all of what we're doing we're all trying to do right by our dogs and that in itself is a fantastic thing. That's going to help us. That's absolutely going to help us. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. It won't help. At no point has comparison helped people when it comes to training and things like that. That's fine if you're, I don't know, a competitive swimmer and you want to know what your time difference is. But we're not doing that right now. When you're out there, the only person you're reflecting on is yourself and your journey. And generally, by just punishing yourself, you're not going to enjoy dog training. You're not going to want to do it. You're not going to have the confidence to go to group days or group classes or a a field trial or a scurry or whatever else because you're comparing yourself even before you've got there if you just go i'm going to go and have fun with my dog and hopefully we're going to learn stuff together that's a much kinder place to come from
0: so our daily ritual is going to be be more dog. i think we can all sign up to that one um thank you emma for this enlightening conversation about trainer dysmorphia which is something that we brought you. First time here on uh Founded Fetcher. If, if it has been discussed before somewhere else, I really would like to know. So please send me anything that you find, email it to us, and we can take a look at it. Um, your insights have definitely shed light on on what's overlooked. It's happening every day, it's happening all the time, but it's definitely overlooked and not being not being discussed, but it's not being brought to our forefront. Not being brought to the front of our minds is something that we need to like dismiss. Dismiss this information now, it's not helping you. It's not you reflecting, it's you judging. Um, so, thinking about it knowingly stops it from being like the unknown, if that makes sense. We've learned to like look at like the, the signs there, which I think is great to look for, and we've delved into like where this comes from and, and why it's there. And um, I think we've talked about um, some, like, actionable strategies that we could use to, like, move forward. Before we sort of, like, finish this podcast, is there anything that you would want to add into this sort of topic and how
1: we can make changes? I think, and again, this is a theme that you'll hear from me probably every week, is be kind to yourself. Comparison is a really normal thing for us to do. But it's when it becomes unhealthy or it stops us doing things or it stops us enjoying things. I think one of the things that we maybe need to go back to, and I I forget this sometimes, is actually dog training is supposed to be fun. We do this because we we love our dogs and we enjoy it. And actually, when we stop enjoying it, that's a great time to kind of go. Why? Why am I not enjoying this? Am I expecting too much of myself? Am I expecting too much of my dog? And is that real? Like, is that actually real? Um, And I think that's where things like keeping a training log and reminding yourself in your training log, it's not just my dog was terrible today. Like actually what went well, speaking to other people to get their perspective on it, whether it's a trainer, whether it's someone you train with, that you trust their judgment and their opinion. And and absolutely, I would really advocate if you feel able to record your sessions, because what you will see will be different from what your brain has remembered and I think that's so, so key when you go back to look over these things and you go, actually, that isn't how I how I remember it. Actually, that training session is often a lot better than we, we, we recall it.
0: I think it's valuable to video as well from the perspective of sometimes you think you can't do it, but the video shows you absolutely can. And sometimes you think you've got something nailed and the video shows you you need to work on it. So it just gives you reality, doesn't it? It gives you a fact check. And if you train on your own, you need that fact check.
1: Yeah. And for me, it's been utterly invaluable. And I would say the first time I bought some you know, cheap tripod off the internet and I set up my phone and I was all very nervous and very daunted about it. But actually, I, I post the videos quite a lot, even on my Instagram. And I think it's important to to talk about what went right, what went wrong, um, and just the reality of it. And actually, sometimes, when it doesn't go to plan, to be able to have a laugh and go, that was hilarious. Like, my dog decided that he needed a poo right in the middle of a retrieve. Fantastic. But what it does is it lightens it up for other people. It makes the, those people who are still comparing themselves, which we all have a habit of doing, to go, do you know what? Everyone's dog's done that. Everyone's dog's, you know, and it, it makes it more normal. The ups and downs become normal, and we don't get this 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 dysmorphic view of everyone else's dog is doing this, but my dog is doing that.
0: And if you think about it, for a lot of people, the video where somebody's learning something, so they've not completely got it right, but they are in the process of getting it, is so much more valuable to somebody than all these images and videos of everybody getting it perfect because it doesn't show you the story, it doesn't show you the journey, Whereas when I watch people's videos like in the groups and stuff, you can see progression, but more than that, you can see how they get in there themselves. Everybody's journey is different. So sometimes you think, well, this is the only way of training this. Then I'll watch somebody's video and I'm thinking, oh, I never did that, that tiny little thing differently. Never done that. Now I'm going to they're like little light bulb moments, aren't they?
1: Yeah and I left I left the weekend with pages of notes around things that I, I picked up on and that's not through judging anyone else but learning from other people and going actually would I do the same thing or actually do you know what one of the experts recommended this and I hadn't even considered that or you know they said well actually it might be because the dog's experiencing this and and I'd never even considered that was an option so even though you may not be watching videos of your own dog watching videos of other people's dogs training you can learn so much from and 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 it's not about watching people getting it wrong it's about watching people learning and going right this time we're going to move the dog closer or we're going to do this or we're going to change the dummy or whatever else you go oh i see why she's doing that so it means that when you may have that issue with your dog in the future the more knowledge you've got the more varied you're going to be. And hopefully when you change the right things at the right times, you're going to have more success. And it's going to make you more flexible and more able to hopefully get positive results. Where you don't walk away and go, all I did is video me, do the same thing three times. It didn't work and then I went home. Um because no one no one wants to feel like that after a training session.
0: Well, as always, thank you for your incredible insight. Um, Our conversations are always fascinating and i learned so much from these alone if you resonate with this topic you're looking to make a change you know it's time to take some action think about what we've said hopefully you're going to listen to it again because this isn't one of those sort of podcasts that you can listen to once and take it all in because we're talking about a new topic i would definitely re-listen to it maybe if you're not driving take some notes just to remind yourself of how you can improve your own perspective of what it is you are actually doing, um, and tap into the treasure trove of resources that we've got available. Uh, Joining us on the Facebook found it, fetched it fan community—that's like quite a lot of effort, but you definitely want to join in with us there and see what we've got going on. And um, please remember, you're not alone in the journey. We're all here to support and learn from each other. So let's put these valuable insights to work. Continue to empower ourselves and each other in our Gandalf training, and we shall see you all next week. That's a wrap on today's episode of Founded Fetched It. Thanks for listening. If you found our conversation valuable, please could you do us a favour and subscribe and leave a review so other people just like me and you can find the podcast. For the ladies out there who are passionate about gundo training and want more tips, live sessions and a community that gets it, you're welcome to join our membership. Just visit ww.thelwdg.com to learn more. Until next time, keep working with your gun dog and take care.